Hey guys. I'm very thankful to be able to do this, uh, to be able to share the word with you. And I'm praying that it would be profitable. Um, it's pretty short notice, but I think the Lord uh, will work through his word. Um, and that's what I want to talk to you about tonight is uh, the word of God. And so the reason that, that I, I think that this text uh, will be beneficial to you is because you guys are going to be, as a, as a body, um, making a lot of decisions, sitting under a lot of teaching that has massive implications for the life of this church. Um, and I have a lawnmower back in Louisville, Kentucky. It's a push mower, and we have a fairly large yard, and this push mower is not that nice. Um, and so you know, there are electric mowers and riding mowers that are really nice and just kind of keep, you know, they, they get up and go immediately. But this push mower, uh, if you look down on the side of it, there's this bubble. And you have to push that bubble, right? And what that's doing is it's priming the, uh, the lawnmower for, uh, to, to run. And so uh, I'm, I'm hoping to present the word to you uh, the Bible, I'm, I'm hoping that, that to, to prime you with the Bible so that like that lawnmower, when it's time to run, you will be ready. You'll be, you'll be, your engine will be good to go. And so this is what you're going to be ingesting. This is what's going to be fueling you uh, as you make those decisions in the, the, the coming months. And um, I, I want to lift this up. Um, before you and when someone presents something to you as good I want you to say okay that's from the Bible like he's, he's using the Bible he's, he's saying this because it says it in the Bible and the Bible is what's good um, and so I want you to see this as good um, and so we're going to be in Nehemiah which is in the Old Testament um, it's before the Psalms uh, we're going to be in Nehemiah uh, chapter 8. I'm going to read it, and then we'll, we'll pray. Uh, no, I'll read uh, verses 1 through um, 8. 1 through 8. eight chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. Are we all there? Okay. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly. both men and women and all who could understand what they heard. On the first day of the seventh month, and he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, 
in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ariah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Aikub, Shebathai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kelida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read the book from the law of, the, of God clearly and they gave the sense so that people understood the reading. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I, I pray that, that to this church, you would give just such a supernatural love for your scripture. That these dear saints would not be unequipped because they don't have a desire to know your word. But that you would strengthen them with such an appetite for your Bible, the word of God. that they would be able to move forward as a church in decision-making and any change that's necessary or any non-change that's necessary because they love your word. So, Father, I pray that this time, as we look at this text and others, that this time would be beneficial and that uh, you would send your spirit to strengthen us, that we would understand your word. And pray this in your name. Amen. Now, you guys thought that Hawaiian names were hard to pronounce. These are, this is uh, ancient Israel. And I'm going to give you a quick context of Israel. The state of Israel at this point uh, had split. Uh, one of the kingdoms had been conquered, and then another kingdom was conquered. So all of Israel was conquered. Uh, most, most recently, Israel was conquered by uh, the Babylonians and deported. Uh, for 70 years. They were deported to Babylon. Uh, and then Babylon was conquered by the Persians. Um, there was a Persian king who decreed that he would let the Jewish people uh, return to their home uh, and begin to rebuild the temple and the walls. So basically, uh, the Babylonians conquered and deported. The Persians conquered the Babylonians and said, you can go home, you can exist as one of our provinces. You can exist as your own people um, with your own culture 
under our authority in, in one of our provinces. So you can go home, rebuild your temple, rebuild your walls. Ezra, the priest and the scribe, returns and oversees the rebuilding of the temple. Uh, and Nehemiah returns as a governor, the governor of the province that Israel, that Judah was in, uh, to oversee uh, the completion of the temple and the building of the walls. Now, as they are, as they are in the process of the return rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the walls so that they can defend themselves from the immediate uh, other Persian provinces. Uh, those other Persian provinces that were their own unique cultures from Persia, but still under the authority of the Persian king, sought to prevent Israel from rebuilding the walls. So uh, if you were to read the first few books of Nehemiah, you would read stories like uh, the, the men who are working on the walls are working with a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. And they are, they are trying to uh, assemble and build up these walls so that they could defend themselves, so that they could reestablish uh, Israel, uh, and at the same time defending themselves from outside attack. There had been, so this is the state of Israel. They're just a mess. They're, they're being immediately persecuted by those around them. Um, unjustly, so Israel has a decree from the king to come back and do this, and these other people who are under the king are opposing that. So they're being opposed unjustly. Uh, they've also, uh, there's been a severe neglect of the law, um, of the covenant of temple practices for over 70 years. Um, people were marrying and intermarrying those uh, around Israel who uh, not only were proselytizing into Israel, but were actually leading the Israelites away from God. So they were people marrying and intermarrying and being led away from God by uh, those and from cultures around. The poor were being neglected, the widows were being neglected, orphans were being neglected. Uh, the law and the covenant acts were being neglected, and that's the state of Israel. Now, Ezra comes in, rebuilds the temple. About 15, 17 years later, the walls around Jerusalem are completed. And what we have here is the recording of a service, a ceremony, where a disorganized, messy remnant, just kind of like, like motley crew of Israel, assembling to basically... Uh, mark the completion of the temple walls, mark the, the reestablishment of the city of Jerusalem, and kind of a, a recommitment to the covenant and to the law. And so the people, what we see in, in, in Nehemiah is the people gather all together, much as we do in here, we'll all gather as, as one man, just kind of one body. We all gather with, with one mind to listen um, into the square, and Ezra was elevated above them, much like uh, Pastor Randy is elevated, and uh, we see that he was on a wooden platform. We see that in verse 4. He was showing uh, them the rightful place of the law. He was showing the people the rightful place of the law, the words of God. He was in the sight of all the people. So, it was accessible to. He wanted to reach 
all the people with the word of God, with the law. The leading men of, of Israel stood on either side. I'm, I'm not going to read that list again, but those are the leading men of Israel, and they're standing on either side of Ezra as he reads the, the word, showing the people the intensity and the organization of this service and the, the preeminence of the word and the authority of the word. So not only was Ezra, the priest and the scribe, up here um, elevated reading the word of God, but it would be like if you guys had the most, the most, uh, the most godly leaders in this church who had the most authority in their speech, who you respected the most, all standing beside Pastor Randy as he preached like this. Just showing you guys this, this is important. What's going on right here is important. You guys need to pay attention. That's all of us together. We are showing you the authority of this, of what's happening. And so that's what's, that's what's being in, in front of Israel is the men are standing with authority saying this is important. Pay attention. Men and women and all who understood what they heard. This wasn't attendance for attendance sake, but it was vital that those who were hearing understood the word of God. So we see that word, that term, understand, it pops up a few times in this paragraph. All who understood what they heard. Uh, we see that in verse 3 and in verse 7. We see the law was read clearly in verse 8 and that the Levites gave the sense um, so, so not only, so men and women and everyone who understood were there together. Uh, the Levites, also not going to reread that list, uh, were stationed among the people um, who, so that they could be there and give understanding. So you have a question about this text. You, you have a misunderstanding about this text. You, did you hear what he said correctly? I want to answer this question. So it would be like, Pastor Randy here, all the, the really authority, res, respectable men up here, and then a bunch of other people who, who really understand and can divide the word of God faithfully, sitting among you and trying to make sure that, okay, do you have any questions? Are you understanding this? Are you, are you making, making sure that you understand this is really important? I want you to understand. I want you to be able to, to take this and know what it means. And so this is, they're giving the sense. That's probably some weird, that's a, a weird English phrase give the sense it's probably from some just weird Hebrew structure that doesn't translate well but that's what's happening is these Levites are there to make sure to ensure that the people are understanding what is being said they're teaching they're answering questions they're they're reasoning with people they're applying the meaning And so also what's important to see in here is, is the people, how the people react. So we've seen the, the place of the word, the place of the, the word is, is, is guarded by the leaders, it's elevated, it's, it's, it's necessary to understand it. The people in this text, what do they do? So we see in verse 3 um, that he read from it facing the square from early morning until midday. Now, how would you guys feel if Pastor Randy or another, another man were to stand in this pulpit 
and, uh, or, or maybe even the night before, the, the week before, and they're like, hey, next week, we're going to meet at 6 o'clock in the morning. Be here at 5.30 so you can get a good seat. And he starts reading at 6 o'clock, and he keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, and your, your stomach starts to growl, and you're like, man, Zippy sounds really good right now, and I'm tired because I've been listening to the word, and, and he just keeps going and going and going until noon. How would, would that be, like some of you guys would be probably be pretty upset with just the fact that that's how long the service lasted. That's what happened. This, this man from early, from sun up, started reading the word and then, and then midday, sun high, uh, that's how long the reading of the law of God lasted. And not only did he see that it was a really long time he read, but all that the ears of all the people, we see this at the end of verse 3, the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So you sitting here from 6 o'clock in the morning until noon, listening eagerly to the reading of the word. That's what's happening. These people are, are sitting under long, long readings from the text, and they're attentive. Their ears are eager to hear. We also see the people respond in a very peculiar way. Now, Ezra stood up, elevated on a wooden platform, the men standing beside him, and, and he, he just opened the book. And what happened when he opened the book? The, everyone stood. Everyone stood. Now, I'm, I'm from the deep south, from Alabama, um, and chivalry or, or manners or whatever you call it is, is, is kind of trickling into extinction. But I still remember my mom saying, or, you know, because I'm from Alabama, mama, she, she would always say, now you take your hat off when you're inside. And when a lady enters the room, you stand up. So there are, there are various things that various cultures do to show respect. And in this culture, Respect and reverence looks like, oh, the word of God is being read. The, the book of God is being opened, so I'm going to stand. He opened the book and they lifted their hands. He opened the book and they began saying, amen, amen, that, that's what's important. That book right there, that law, that deserves my respect. That deserves my, my attention I'm going to stand. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to say amen because that is good. The word of God, that's good. When they heard it, when he read from the book of the law and they understood, what was their response? So we didn't read this section, but if you guys uh, just want to listen as I read it, um, and Nehemiah, this is in verse 9 of the same chapter, Nehemiah, who was the governor and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn and weep for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. 
And then they even have to encourage them and impress them. Go celebrate. Go celebrate the, the hearing of the word of the Lord. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. These people were so grieved by the hearing of the law, by, by how, how imperfectly they lived up to this thing that is so important. They're, they're standing, they're raising their hands. They're, there's a, amen, amen, that's important. And then they hear it and they realize like, man, I have fallen so short. We have, we have neglected the temple. We have neglected the, the covenant. We have neglected the law. We are failing. And they're grieved and their response is weeping and mourning, so much so that the Levites who are helping them understand the law have to comfort them and calm them. The response to knowing that the word has asked this, has shown this is good and I have failed. That was their response. And then, that, that's an appropriate response when you see your sin but Nehemiah and Ezra and the, the leaders and the Levites said, this is, this is, this is a case for, for rejoicing. We are, we are back. We are, we, are, we are following the law. We are upholding the law. We're reestablishing the covenant. We're, we're recommitting. This is a day for rejoicing. This, this law has been, has been elevated before you and you're receiving it. This law is being seen as good and you're following it. You're not rejecting it. This is an occasion for rejoicing. So the people, in response to that, rejoiced. The people went and, and had a feast feast after feast in response to the, the word of God being read and celebrated. And then, so they respond with weeping, they respond with rejoicing. There's this, this extreme response. And then as they continue to read it, uh, we can see that that. So in verse 13, it says, On the second day, the heads of the fathers, house, the heads of the fathers' houses of all the people with all the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. So they came to continue studying the words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. Seventh month and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out, this is, this is cool, verse 16. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square of the water gate and in the square of the gate of Ephraim and all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. So there was not only weeping over the fact that they had failed to uphold the law, and then rejoicing over the fact that the law was being upheld once more and that the covenant was being renewed, 
but there was immediate obedience. Oh, oh, we haven't been doing this. We haven't, we haven't been observing this since the, since the, day, the days of Jeshua. We, we need to do this now. We need to obey immediately. And so they all immediately go out and start dwelling in booths for the sake of this, this feast. They're, they're eager to obey the word. They confess their sins and turn from it. In, verse, in, in chapter 9, we see now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. The Israelites separate, separated themselves from all the foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. Now, that's, that's another immediate response to inobedience. Like, they are on this specific day called to confess their sins, and they do so in response to the law. And in verse 5, more Levites said, Stand and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. So, they confess their sin and then they get together and they praise and worship God in response to the word. Then they start recounting stories from the book of the law. They talk about, if you can go through and read all this, they talk about Abraham and how Abraham was, was, was covenanted with God and sent to Ur, out, out of Ur. And then they talk about Moses and Exodus and the Ten Commandments and the conquest. And then they talk about the unfaithfulness of Israel and the faithfulness of God despite the unfaithfulness of Israel. They obeyed the law in joyful things. We see that the temple rites were renewed. The covenant was renewed. Uh, they were obedient in, in the feast and in the things that the law called them to do. And they obeyed the law in hard things. Late at the end of this book, we see that Nehemiah starts reforming and uh, he he opposes intermarriage with with those who would lead the Israelites astray who would lead the Israelites away from God there's obedience in really hard things and so what we see in the people is this extreme response to the word of God it's all to the law this extreme response in in grieving and in uh, worship and in confession and in obedience in easy things and in joyful things and in hard things. And so what, what I want you to, to see tonight is, is, is that this is a picture um, of the, the word of God being loved and listened to and resulting in obedience but I also want you to realize that this was very short-lived. The, the, the people in Jerusalem did not maintain uh, worship. They did not maintain uh, the covenant or the law. But they were quickly, again, like very quickly, led astray. Uh, and uh, led astray into uh, idol worship and sin away from God. There was 
they fell back into, if you look at the Old Testament, the same patterns of sin and disobedience and rejection of God. Just as, and, we, and this, is the, this is the state of the Jews uh, when we get to the New Testament, when we get to Jesus' day, as, as Matthew preached on Sunday, we, Jesus is interacting with uh, Jew, Jewish people, and he, and he says to them, this is in John 5, uh, verse 37. He says, And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard, his form you've never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bears witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may live. So what we have is, is that the Israelites have, they fell pretty immediately back into the same patterns of disobedience and rejection of God. And at this point, when we see the word being celebrated and, and the word being proclaimed as authority and glorious, and it's good that they did that, but what we need to realize is that these people, uh, they only had half of the picture. They had, they were reading from the book of Moses. They were reading from the book of the law. So that's the first five books of the Bible. They had some psalms, they had collections of various other writings that ended up in the Old Testament, but they didn't have even all of the Old Testament, and they didn't have any of the New Testament. So they, didn't, they didn't have the full picture. What they were waiting for and what they were needing, what they were hoping in, was the promised new covenant. The, the promised new covenant. So in this, I'm going to read really quickly. You guys don't have to turn there. This is Jeremiah 31, 31. Uh, and it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt, bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive them their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. What they were looking forward to is the, is the promise uh, being, that was this promise, this new covenant. They were looking for and hoping in that to be realized. They were waiting on, uh, they were waiting on this new covenant to be fulfilled. And they were in the present time, in, in this present time, they were, they were, they were standing beside this this tiny little puny temple compared to the original one. And they were standing in city walls that were so much smaller and more compact than the original ones. And, and they were seeing that this is not the ultimate 
fulfillment. This is not the ultimate redemption that Israel is looking for, and they're, they're looking forward to this new covenant. They were looking f- for something so much greater, something so much more permanent that couldn't be taken away in the new, t- new covenant. They were looking to the ultimate promise renewal of the hearts of men that you have you are not the Israelites returned from Babylon. You are New Testament Christians and you have the whole picture. Amen. You see the fulfillment of the covenant. What, what do you have when you, when you hold this book? What do you have? You have uh, the gospels that show you the life of Jesus. And why did Jesus come? It's because you, according to the Bible, you look at a Bible that says you deserve help. You can't be righteous. Just like the Israelites always falling back into the same patterns of sin, you are stuck in that pattern. You can't be righteous and you deserve hell. But God sent Jesus and you have the the life of Jesus recorded. You have the sacrifice that you, you you couldn't make this sacrifice. And Jesus did. And you have that recorded in this text. You have Jesus ascending and sending the, the Holy Spirit to you. You have that recorded in this text. You have that Holy Spirit filling you and equipping you to, to walk in holiness. And, and you see what holiness looks like according to this text. You have Jesus saying, I'm going and I'm preparing a place and, and I'm going to come and get you and we will dwell together eternally in perfection with no sin and no pain for eternity. And you have that recorded in this text. You have the whole picture. Unlike, unlike the, the people that we read about that, that in Nehemiah, unlike Ezra reading to people who are waiting on the fulfillment of the covenant, you see it fulfilled. You have the whole picture. You have all that is necessary to, to show you the, the revelation, the glorious revelation. They had shadows. They had shadows pointing to Jesus. You've seen Jesus. They have shadows and prophecies saying Jesus is coming. The Christ is coming. You've seen him come. You've seen the new covenant. You've seen it fulfilled. If you are in Christ, then you have the law of God written on your hearts. The law is in you. You see the full picture. And that is glorious. It's glorious that you have the full picture. And if, if these people in, in the book of Nehemiah, when Ezra opened the book of the law, responded the way they did, and if these people, when Ezra read the book of the law, responded the way they did with grief and celebration and repentance and obedience, if they responded the way they did, seeing only part of the picture, how much more are you to respond that way? you see the full picture. Dear saints, you have such great cause to rejoice, to rejoice in, in the word of God. You have the Holy Spirit that equips you to take this, to take this and to live by it. How much more are you with the full picture to walk in holiness knowing that Jesus has died to give you that holiness, seeing the completion of the fulfillment of the law, the completion of the covenant, you've been given 
so much in the fullness of this picture. How much more are you to, to grieve over sin and, and rejoice in the redemption that is in the, the gospel, the forgiveness of sins. Rejoice in the forgiveness of sins. Rejoice that he's given you the Holy Spirit and he hasn't left you in your sin. How much more are you, dear saints, to, to go away from reading the word with obedience, seeing really hard things in the Bible and loving obedience because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross with the full picture. You've been given the new heart. You've been equipped with a love for the word. If you have the Holy Spirit, you're equipped to love this. You're equipped to read it and apply it. And so I just want to give you a few, a few quick things that what your response should look like. Your response should look like reverence for the word of God and, and, and anticipation and a longing for the word of God in preaching. So in, in this pulpit, on Sunday morning, you should long for and revere the, Lord of, the, the word of God. Now, Matthew on Sunday read... A, like a lot of scripture and our society thinks that a lot of information is a tweet that's 140 characters and they're like that's so much information I'm just kind of overwhelmed by this tweet and you guys are being you guys are, are sitting under an entire chapter and a half an entire cha chapter plus another three quarters of a chapter last Wednesday night I read the first four books of the first four chapters of Ephesians. So it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot of scripture. What you, you should revere the word of God in preaching. And just like in, in, in what we read tonight, you should seek to understand it. You should seek those who will help you understand it. You need to understand what is taught. You don't need to come and sit just to sit, just to attend, just to be here. You need to listen and understand, take notes. Be happy when two whole chapters are read. We recently, uh, at Emmanuel back in Louisville, uh, recently went through Deuteronomy. You know, there, there are very long sections of Deuteronomy with, with names like the ones that I just read and, and lists and lists and, and, uh, and, and just all kinds of dense, dense uh, scripture. And uh, it's good. And we loved it. And, and that's right. When you have the Holy Spirit, you love the Word of God. Um, you should also revere the Word of God, desire the Word of God in community here. So as a, as a body, understand, just remember that understand, understanding is this reoccurring theme. You need to seek to understand the Word of God in community. So, so often we'll, we'll get reports from, from the mission field of our missionaries who have gone in and there are, so for instance in China there will be a group of believers who are, who are untrained and they've got the word of God and they've got the Holy Spirit and that's good um, but they're isolated in these small pockets and when you have community of, of believers who are, uh, are taught and discipled well coming to them and, and they correct these misconceptions about the scriptures, um, that's received with, with love and like, oh, oh, okay, now I understand. So in community, 
That's, that's where understanding comes. You, as, as Christians, as you sit under the teaching, if you have a question, Pastor Randy wants to hear your question, and he wants to answer your questions. There, there are opportunities to be discipled with the word of God so that you understand it clearly in community. You should seek to, to revere, respect the word of God, and long for the word of God in community. You've got small groups. Um, there, is, uh, there, there, there are men here who are, men and women here who love to counsel the word of God. Um, in community, you discern, uh, you respect the word of God when it says this is the structure of the church. So when you guys are looking uh, in the next few months at like church structures and what it looks like to be a church according to the Bible, this is the authority. And in community, you will sit under this and discern in community, this is good. This is what the Bible says. And then finally, you need to, to respect, revere, and desire the word of God uh, in your life. Understand the Bible. That, that comes by reading the Bible, spending time in the Bible. You have the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to give you a love and an understanding of the Bible. Know it, apply it to your life. Daily, spend time, spend time there. Love the Bible. Daily ingestion, life decisions. How do I, how do I know what a biblical marriage looks like? The Bible. How do I know how to parent? The Bible. How do I know how to interact with my family or our friends who aren't believers? The Bible. This is, this is what your life is submitting to. This is, this is good. This is the most sure word that you have from the Lord. Apply this. Seek to revere this in the, in the preaching and in the community and in your life um, and love the word of God. I, I really just want, um, want you to, as a body, know, like be, be aware of just the history of the church and, and the fact that the church has, has over time like various uh, denominations and groups of church have, have slidden, slidden into these horrific um, circumstances. And now you, you see apostasy and you see, you see churches, full denominations that affirm um, not only, not only are they saying that a sin like homosexuality is okay, but they're affirming homosexuals as church leaders. And so, so, so when you see a church doing that, why, why are they there? It's because this is rejected. And that's where you end up. It's because this is rejected. I, when, I, when I lived here before, um, I knew a man, uh, I still know this man, he's a very dear man, and um, he taught, and he loved the word of God, and he, so at this, so the ESV study Bible had come out when we were in college, Melissa and I were in college, and then John MacArthur, if you guys know who John MacArthur is, uh, has a study Bible series, so he, he, he writes study Bibles, and um, so he had taken the ESV translation and, and, and 
basically published his John MacArthur ESV study Bible. And uh, this man uh, loved the Word of God and wanted to understand the Word of God and wanted uh, all of the, the resources and counseling in the study Bible uh, for teaching and for application at the church that he was at. And uh, man, this Bible was expensive. And so he went to the Christian bookstore and sat in the floor reading the Bible, trying to understand the Bible. And I want you to love the Bible like that. I want you to, to love the Bible, love the Word of God like that. And so um, I'm going to pray for us. And then if you, if you have any questions about, about anything I said or, or anything, uh, I'll be around and Nick will be around and others. Um, so let me pray. Before you pray. Sure. Mm-hmm. Let's start on that. We've got six weeks. We should be able to do it. We should all be able to stand up and say Psalm 1. Yeah, that's actually, that's actually really helpful, and I should have put that in the thing, so thank you. <laughs> uh, in community, so in community, we've come to the conclusion that, that memorizing the scriptures is, is really beneficial. Like so. short comment. I've been in the church. I got saved as an adult. I've been in the church my adult life, and I've been in the church for 41 years. Now, I've been in leadership a lot of that time, one thing I've observed is this, and it goes right along with your message tonight, that people that are in the Word are usually walking with the Lord, and people that are not walking with the Lord are almost never in the Word. And that even goes for church people. They come and put in a faithful, but they're not really walking with the Lord. And the story is, they're not really in the Word. So let me just challenge you. Yep. Listen to what you have to say tonight. Amen. Be in the Word. Read a chapter a day. Whatever mm-hmm. your plan is, be in the Word. Because when we leave the Word apart from the sign, that's when we start to drift. Mm-hmm. Apostles, Amen. Like yep. Yep. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you so much for, uh, for your Bible and for what you've given us and the resource that it is, the life that it brings, Father. So, I, I, Lord, I pray that you would, that you would strengthen these dear saints to, uh, to see the value of it. Um, to not, not believe the lie of Satan that they're well-equipped without it, to not believe the lie of Satan that it's boring. Father, that you would give them a great love and, and just, a, an, just an intense appetite, Amen. Father, for your word, that, they would, that they would, it would be like they're, they're coming in from, from surfing and they're just really thirsty and that they would feel that way about the Bible, that they would long for it. And Father, I, I pray that as they, as they move forward as a church in making decisions um, in changes and in deciding not to change and things like that, Father, I pray that, that you would, at the center of it, place the word of God. And Father, I pray that, that these dear saints would ask questions and that you would equip the leaders to answer well. And Lord, we pray that you would be glorified out of what you do here at KBC. We pray all this in your name. Amen.